Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good How morning. are you? Doing good. What's going on? Ah, what is going on? What Not is going on? Too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, what have what have I been doing? I probably. I don't know why I've been drinking more coffee lately. Me too. I had two cups today. Well, I know why I have, but why, why have you? Because of your kettlebells? No, no, because I've, it, it's, uh, I, I'm on one of those weird, it takes me till one and 30 in the morning to fall asleep now. Thanks. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Try the GABA. I'll try the GABA. Try and, the GABA. Uh, the GABA has helped me a lot in, in life. Got this right here. It says Benadryl allergy. Oh, that's the best. So that's what, you know, be, sleeping pills are just Benadryl. I know they are. I, look, I looked and did a thorough research at the local pharmacy and realized that um, Unisom, Zequel, and all of these are just Benadryl. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you, can, you can buy butt-tons of it really cheap from Costco. <laughs> can you I, really? I hear. You hear. I mean, you would I, have no yeah, experience yeah. with this. Well, it's also, it's sort of like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, you've got a migraine. Uh, you don't want to take that uh, extra strength Excedrin. You want the migraine version. Well, yeah, you know what it is. It's it's Excedrin. It's it's Excedrin. It's <laughs> aspirin with caffeine. That's what it is. Caffeine. That caffeine and the wish for death. Mm. That's pretty much. That's pretty much the RX for somebody with a migraine. Just goes somewhere and pray that it ends. But I had. A you, ever really, get, you ever get migraines? I I used to get them quite frequently, and uh, and and then that seem to improve for a while. So I, but I have used the Excedrin migraine. I've tried cold and I, you know, like a cold pack and I tried, it's just, it's really just palliative. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, our, uh, our friend, uh, Jesse Thorne, I think has spoken, I think he's spoken about this a fair amount publicly. Like, I don't know if he still gets them, but he used to get terrible serial migraines where Mm -hmm. he was like trying to find somebody who could help him. I I haven't caught up on that, but I've had, I've had maybe, Fewer than half a dozen in my life, but they're very memorable. I'll never forget the first one I had. Well, it feels it's, like you're it, going to another planet in a bad way. It's terrible. It, it, well, it, it is. And that's, I don't want to trigger anybody's mind. Yeah, right. Let's talking not talk about, about this. It, yeah. Well, but it's, um, it's one of those things that like we've talked in the past about that feeling when you know you're getting a cold and you go, right. oh, damn. Yeah. Like, I, this is definitely a sore throat. This is not allergies. This explains why I'm tired, you know, but the feeling of even the first time I got a migraine, I was like, oh, sh- this is mm. pretty because my mom had had migraines and we'd had this really nice day. This is maybe 1997 of like driving around in wine country. We'd gone to some wineries. We went to a cool place where you get massages and a mud bath. And I had had not a lot of wine, but like some wine. And uh, I think probably some chocolate and, but it was one of those things where like, there's a certain, everybody eventually learns there's mostly some triggers. Right. And I think people who get a lot really learn to watch for that, but it's, it's such an all encompassing feeling. It's the most like intense. It's, it's a weird combination of feeling like, like you have this utterly inescapable, excruciating pain that becomes so intense that it almost becomes like an out of body experience. Exactly. Yeah. I don't miss that. I don't miss it either. I mean, do you, did you have the auras? Oh, whether you see, we see sparkly like lights yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that. I, I got, I super always, intense always headache. had those. Really? Always. Oh really. yeah. And I would throw up and, uh, just be very, very unhappy for many hours. Like you said, I don't want to trigger anything for anybody, but when you, when you do have the auras, like you would know if you had them and you would remember <laughs> I, I usually them. hate that phrase. Yeah. But, um, you know? but <laughs> like you totally would because yeah. it, it sort of starts out usually as like a dark spot where you 
part of your vision is just sort of not there and like you could put your hand up and you won't see your hand. And then that area usually transforms into what I would describe as almost like a fractal, like a a fractal that is rapidly changing its color. And way, it's like a, it's like a bad trip. In, it's in like some a very ways. bad trip. And then usually yeah. you know that like if you're seeing that, you've got about 20 minutes before that dissipates and then the headache hits. So you can you can try to like take whatever medicine or whatever you do at that point and and maybe kind of help it, but yeah, it's well, it's yeah, and good. it's it's funny because my 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 wife, my wife, she gets this funny my, comment, my old lady, my wife, <laughs> she gets a kind friend. of a my very <laughs> there's a certain kind of thing where uh, if she's not getting like for example flying, it often happens when we fly, sleep is disrupted, food and water are disrupted, and it's difficult to know what exactly causes what, but right. she, that'll take her down for for a day with something very close to like a migraine. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not sure why we're talking about this except. Sorry. Sorry, migraines. Yeah, sorry, migraines. But yeah, I had a really, really good run of just, I would lay down, my head would hit the pillow, boom, I'd be out. And like, I never had that in my whole life. And it went on for a number of years. You can't sleep it off is the thing. It's, it won't, it won't allow you any, uh, until it's done with you. It's, it really, it's one of those things where, you know, as you, another funny thing about getting older is you become, you must necessarily become more aware that you're a meat bag. Yeah. that happens to have this software that runs it. And most of the time you can just walk around going doot to doot yeah. and just having a life. And then as you get over, you go, like, oh, this, uh, the meat bag, the meat suit is starting to fail me a little bit, <laughs> as does the software, right. as it turns out. But you, you, really, you really start to notice it. And, uh, you and I, don't, yeah, like, I, don't, I don't really know what caused it. I don't know really. What, like uh, they say, oh, well, look for stresses. Well, I'm, I'm no more or less stressed than I was two weeks ago before I started to have intermittent, like not being able to fall asleep. So I don't know, but I finally got to the, I'm at the Benadryl point right now. So I think it works. And, oh, and it works. You can, if you want, well, <laughs> I don't like to discuss this, but uh, you know, I, uh, I turned to that many nights. Yeah. And it, uh, the nice thing about it is um, that you can, you can realize how much you really need. It's almost like Adderall all over again. Uh, where like it's really important to realize how much you need. Yeah. Like if you if you really have to have to sleep and you're really hurting, you could take two and you're not going to die. You might feel <laughs> really no, but honestly, you can. You, yeah. It's like taking Benadryl. Yeah. It's not that bad for you. Um. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Right. Don't take my advice. Right. But the nice thing is, a lot of people can get the effects that they need from half of one or mm-hmm. a quarter of one. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't actually need to take tons and tons. And then you eventually learn like the times that you, like when you should take it. Um, <laughs> there's been many times when I've been at a public performance and I pause for a minute to take a, take a Benadryl out of my watch pocket and take it on stage. I'm like, yeah, got to take a sleeping pill. Cause I know exactly how long it takes. How long does it take? Well, two, three hours usually. Yeah. I would not take it before six, but I wouldn't take it after nine. Right. It depends on your, you know, your mileage may vary, right but, um, making notes. Try the GABA. GABA's really... I'm going to get um, that. I'm going to get go that. Go read up there. on it. And GABA's also good. There's a, I also have GABA guru. GABA guru. GABA guru. Everything's legal in New Jersey. You can uh, go and... <laughs> oh, dear. Someday everyone will see Hamilton. But uh, the uh, the thing is... Uh, what's my point? Is that... Um, I'm not sure what my point is. When uh, I type in GABA... GABA. Oh, GABA. 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 Well, there's also a, a pretty good... You know, I... 
kind of turn my nose up at homeopathic things, but I'm not against natural solutions. Mm-hmm. I like to vet them because, you know, we talked, we talked not, not long ago about vitamin C and how you can take enough of that, that just the stuff in vitamin C that makes the pill, you don't want that much like wheat and ch- stuff. Yeah. <laughs> is you're basically like having a little bit of vitamin C in a loaf of bread or whatever. And they don't regulate that stuff. I mean, this is what my shrink used to say, uh, was that, you know, you got to be careful with those things because you have an active ingredient that represents far less than 1% of the mass of that object. Well, what else are you taking that's in there? So when you buy stuff off the back of a truck on the internet, you want to really <laughs> vet it. Uh, they don't, that, that stuff is not regulated anywhere near the way pharmaceutical right. um, pills are. Um, hmm. I was also, I thought of you last night cause I uh, was watching something on Netflix. Um, uh, I was watching a, I can't wait. <laughs> it's not bad. I was, I was, I was watching a, Say uh, to you while I was watching a boxing. Looks good, looks good on you though. Yeah. I was watching a uh, documentary on like the, the CrossFit games. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Those people are very into CrossFit. The CrossFit people. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. That uh, is, there is a CrossFit, what they don't call them gyms, they call them a box. It's a CrossFit box. <clears throat> and they're typically a, just a garage and they are open to the elements, which here in Texas means if it's a hundred degrees outside and you're in a in concrete box with the doors open, then it's probably 120 in there. And that's what they're in there working out. And, uh, my uh, my son sometimes goes. He'll like go to the gym with me, and it's air conditioned. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he he works out in there. He's doing mm. like ladder drills oh. and agility stuff. Ladder drills. Did you do, 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 do the thing where you hop on a box and hop off the box? He does that. <laughs> uh, he does. Uh, he's just starting some weight stuff now. He's doing goblet squats. He does medicine ball stuff. It's awesome. Anyway, he he was in there, and we walk out, and we look across the street at the um, at the CrossFit box, and the people in there they. More power to them. I have nothing but admiration for Akuna them. Matata. Good, good for you, they I say. They are working so hard in there. And the people, they're all yelling at each other. And they look like they're... It's I'm like a sh- cross between like Est, Scientology, and an elementary school gym. <laughs> they're, they're doing crazy stuff. I mean, they're moving the big tires. They're throwing them, but... You got to cl- climb, a, climb a rope without your legs. They just look so miserable. And uh, my boy says to me, he's like... That's a CrossFit box over there. I'm like, yeah. He's like, it looks like real hard work over there. I'm like, well, what we just did was hard. He's like, yeah, but we have air conditioning. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> so, oh, dear. yeah. Well, anyway, I thought of you. It's very interesting. It's, it re- it's almost like an info- infomercial almost for CrossFit. But yeah, it's, it was it's, interesting. What was it called? I'll put it in the show notes. Mm, I don't remember. Sometimes I scroll down to like the, just the what's new section. And I'll just see whatever. I also watched a... Um, documentary about the fastball in baseball in baseball yeah it was very it was quite interesting netflix also i i think so yeah 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 i i sometimes i find a fairly generic four-star talking head documentary to be comfort food i like i like a standard talking head documentary with some ken burns pictures in it and i i enjoy that (laughs) so i watched one about the fastball because you know i'm a fan of sports could it be every second counts the story of the 2008 crossfit games Oh, that sure sounds like it. Every is it? Does it involve lots of Reebok? Uh, well, I'm, I don't see the trailer here, but it. Yeah. I'll put that. In, I don't care. I'm putting that put in, in the show, show notes. notes. And where would people find show notes for this episode of your program? <laughs> they can go to five by five dot TV slash back to work 
slash what no 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 it's b2 i don't see i'm tired five by five dot tv slash b2w hmm. slash two eight zero i was still reading this crossfit page. two eight zero two eight zero two hundred eighty and to mark our 280th episode we've got a guest with us today Let's bring in let's bring in somebody from Sweetman Kragen, a global management consulting training and coaching firm. This is, I have to say, the douchiest email we have ever gotten. I don't want to give these people uh, too much promotion. I just want to say Sweetman Kragen, Sweetman Kragen, Sweetman Kragen, a global management consulting training and coaching firm. I would like to just read what they did in this email about how they should be on the podcast. In this particular one, they've highlighted. It's the douchiest email I've ever gotten. And, and it includes, as you're reading along, you see all these douche terms and they have an asterisk next to them. And then as a, as a kind of ad hoc footnote, it points out at the bottom that everything with an asterisk is a trademark, oh. a trademark of sweet, Sweetman Kragen. This is the best. I can't read you this whole email. Um, okay, I'll read a little of it. First of all, they do that thing. They do that. I call this the, the yearbook technique where uh, you awkwardly begin all of your sentences with a dependent clause that makes it difficult or an independent clause to, uh, it makes it very difficult to read because you have to read, kind of read the sentence before you read the sentence. (laughs) With a combined 50 years of experience, they've helped leaders, teams, and organizations around the globe increase performance dramatically. In July 2016, they'll be sharing their forward-thinking yet easily applicable guidance for reinventing proactively, rapidly, and successfully. Now, I would just like to read you the things that they have copyrights on. 20 global shockwaves. Six six deadly blindfolds. Six deadly blindfolds. That's a copyright. That's also a kung fu style. Drunken blindfolds. Drunken drunken deadly blindfolds. Reinvention agility matrix. (laughs) Reinvention formula. Reinvention Roadmap. The Law of the 21st Century Business Jungle. Oh, wow. That's a copyright of, of, uh, of uh, Sweetman, Sweet, Sweetman Kragen. Age of Disruption Principles. The 21st Century Competitiveness Cycle. And Reinvention Accelerators. That's what you use to promote the strength necessary to outpace the speed of change. <laughs> <laughs> Sweetman Kragen, thank you for being on our show. Yeah. Oh, and the chat room wants me to mention to you yes. that it is called Fittest on Earth. Uh-huh. And it the is people, all rebuffed. I mean, I don't I'm not I'm not trying to take shots. Uh it was uh it, it was it was very interesting. And it's super intense and it sounds very emotional to be mm-hmm. to, to do this thing. And the 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 one that I watched was called Fastball. Fastball. It's, it's about the fastball. Ball. Ball. It's a fast ball. Fast balls. Thank you to Sweetman Kragen, a global management consulting training and coaching firm. Uh. You're the world's experts on the new competency of reinvention, the ability to create quantum individual and organizational change accelerated. That's a sentence. The ability to create quantum individual and organizational change accelerated. <laughs> it's a word salad. <sighs> I also want to promote something. I finally had the presence of mind uh, to plan this out a little earlier. We went into Two Cats Comics, uh, I guess, over the weekend. And I have scheduled another, I think it's number 14. Number, I'm clicking. It is the 14th Ungainly X-Man Meetup. Wow. It's going to be Thursday, August 4th at Two Cats Comics at 320 West Portal Ave in San Francisco. As ever, you can go to MerlinM.com slash meetup. 
and get details on this. I always like to remind people, you do not have to be a lover of comics to come to this. It's mostly just a fun nerd meetup and we hang out and we talk and you get to meet other cool people. It's, there's a great crew of people that come out to these. I, I treasure these. They're super fun. And then we go out and have a drink afterward. And when you okay. go to this, are you, are you sort of uh, like, are you there early? Do you set up a little table with cupcakes or anything? Or is it just... Sure, I have cupcakes. I got merch. I sign balls. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I cheated on... Sorry, I bet on sports. I sign on the ball. Uh, no, I, uh, no I, I get there on time, like a gentleman. And usually people kind of like straggle in. And it's uh, 7.30 to 9. You go to Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal Avenue. It's a wonderful, wonderful comic store. Uh, people are very nice persons. And the folks who come to this are super cool. And uh, so, yeah, uh, Thursday, August 4th, MerlinM.com slash meetup. It is in show notes. Boom. I've decided I'm going to do a deep dive on, on uh, uh, wait, wait, Squirrel Girl. Yeah. What, what is Squirrel Girl? She's unbelievable. She's in, uh, in, incapable. What is she? She's un... What is Squirrel Girl? What is her... What is her uh, I just lost track of where we were going. Oh, oh no. Just mentioning comics in passing. Oh, Squirrel Girl is a oh. comic. Yeah, what's the actual name? Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I'm going to do a deep dive on that. I'm going to okay. read them all. All right. That's all I got to say about I am, that. I've been so out of comics recently, and I, I did watch uh, Batman v Superman. Oh uh, my goodness! I finally saw it. L- like you know what? Let's spread the blame between Marvel and DC. <laughs> like the Fantastic Four movie, I actually was unprepared for how terrible that movie was. Even wow. even having heard how terrible that movie was, I just from like from the first few minutes, I just I just wanted to set it on fire. Oh my goodness, it's so awfully bad. Really, really, really bad from the first second of the movie. Well, like I said on Twitter, no no matter how much of that movie you watch, there's always another two hours to watch. (laughs) I love that you said that. That's what prompted me to watch it. I I, I got the the, the fancy version, which everybody says is better than the regular version. I got the extended... I'm sorry version. (laughs) Zack Snyder always makes another version of the film. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but... But no, it was uh, it was very unpleasant. And, and I said something, and I, I meant this in a healing way, is that I think part of the problem is that what Zack Snyder clearly in his heart of hearts loves about comics may be what a lot of people specifically do not like about comics. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean, I think that explains a lot. I think he likes some really dark stuff about yeah. comics that turns a lot of people off and like, well, don't give that man Superman. My I goodness. I know. You know, the, the thing that really struck me uh, anytime that I watch a Superman movie, of course, I, I compare it to the Superman of our generation and Chris sure. Reeve Superman, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, as a kid, I forget how old I was. Uh, when the movie came out, it was definitely 10 or, or older. I, I think I forget, but that movie to me as a kid, this was a Superman done so well. Because, of course, I'd read the comics as a little kid and everyone knew, everyone watched the old Superman TV Even show. if you never read a comic, you just, you knew you so knew. much stuff about Superman. Just, you, you knew that he was this was guy. But the movie was so filled with hope and it was so uplifting and it... it and he was so adorable. Yeah, no, he really was. And it was just such a positive film in every way and it was a and and what I, I said this on twitter i said that those movies especially the first two but certainly the first one 
was re- it was a world I really wanted to live in where there's this mm-hmm. amazing guy out there and things there's a sense of humor and there's joy and it and and the presence of this being gives people hope and the movie gave me as a kid excitement and hope and watching it again as a, you know as a 40 something adult with my kids it was just as uplifting and just as great and in every way that that movie was positive in every way that that movie created a picture of a world that I wanted to live in, Zack Snyder's Superman does the opposite. I, 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 would, I hate that world. It's terrible. It's dark. And it's not well, dark yeah. in a cool way either. You know, like no, it's dark it's, in it's, a terrible it, way. It's like if a 14-year-old boy wrote uh, the Cormac McCarthy book, The Road. Like where you would get how to make this gritty and hard to watch without making it anything that gets at why it, it's it needs to be dark in this way you know the road that's a rough movie um rough book but uh but you know but it is done by you know i mean i think he won the pulitzer prize for that i mean like it's it's so well done grittiness has its place uh and and i'm not even saying like oh don't ruin my childhood i don't need to hear that phrase ever again at this point but it's not even that it's just more that you know and I, and I don't think I'm saying, give me what I want and expect. The idea of this person who's an orphaned alien that shows up on a planet, becomes a kid in a nice family, and then figures out that he has this destiny that he needs to do. As, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways of telling that story that can be, can be very realistic and gritty, but like, there's just something so relentlessly mopey and sad and like fake serious about that movie and i mean the performances were pretty good i mean i think for what they did like jesse eisenberg is that his name oh yeah the young uh, he's not michael Sarah, right they're different people they are totally different humans yeah i i I knew that and so uh the guy who's not michael Sarah, he did a really good job he's but he's doing the joker basically yeah he would have been a great joker yeah yeah we've had our joker though we were blessed to have a Joker. Yeah, oh my are. goodness. Anyway, but like I honestly, I feel like if you want kind of like a grittier Superman-ish kind of story, Irredeemable, uh, Mark Wade's Irredeemable is amazing. And that's with the guy who's like Superman but a, like a baddie, right? He is he is a euphemism for Superman and he he it's the, without I'm not giving anything away. He goes it's what if Superman and and I'm talking about Superman in the most powerful, essentially omnipotent kind of Superman, not the kind of modern day watered down, weakened Superman, but the Superman when when we were kids, like nothing can hurt Superman. He can move the earth if he wants to move the earth kind of Superman. Right. Um, that's that's this character, but who essentially is is like saying, what if this character, what if Superman went bad? Yeah. What what I mean, would what, happen I mean, he, to the there's earth? nothing to stop him. Right. I nothing mean, his powers stop. by themselves do not make him a good person. Right. It takes something else, you know. But also with Superman, you always got a little bit of the Peter Parker thing as part of the appeal to me also was yeah. this whole like he feels a burden that he has to save more people. He has to do more things. Oh, and you know what? Can I just say, like, look, I'm not that I'm not that guy that gets that triggered about 9-11, but can we can we take a break from all the buildings falling down? It's oh, just, I thought the same. Thank you I'm for ready, saying I'm that. I'm ready for I'm ready for a for a, for a break from that. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, like, I'm not. A, I mean, I like I like a lot of things Frank Miller's done. I'm not a huge fan of Sin City, but I think in some ways that is a better sort of gritty movie. 
Like that, that movie knows what it's doing mm-hmm. and it's very purposeful about the way that it does it, but it still has like a certain amount of uh, a certain kind of, it's not, it's an ugly movie, but there is a little bit of humanity in, in it, you know? Um, yeah. I, increasingly, I've said this before, but increasingly I find myself very attracted to stories that like you're saying, like a Mark Wade thing where you go like, okay, well, we've got this thing we understand. Now, what if this was different about it? I love those kinds of stories, but I'm also getting more attracted to the clerics and the magic users. I'm getting more attracted to the people it's like, or like Wolverine with his claws. Like I can do this, but it's going to hurt and I'm going to need time to recover. <laughs> I like the idea of people that, that don't have limitless power and yeah. can throw each other through buildings. I'm very interested in, you know, more of the Hawkeye types where Hawkeye's really going to feel it the next day. And I don't know. I think those kinds of stories are. Well, uh, you, you know, know what though? I, I totally agree with you. I think you're, you're right. But I also think this is a sign of what you actually said in the beginning of the episode is that like, we're in our forties. We're seeing our own mortality to some degree. We don't mm. go to sleep and wake up the next day one hundred percent rejuvenated like we used to fifteen twenty years ago. You know, right, right. and I, I think the idea of a a hero who is, you know, with the exception of maybe during the climax of the movie, it looks like they might be defeated by something otherwise invincible or safe from harm or too too cool for school or whatever there's there is something appealing about that when you're younger when you're a kid when you're in your you know teens maybe your early 20s where it's fun to kind of root for the hero that is just sort of perfect in a way and uh and and now you know we kind of see that like yeah that things do still hurt the next day and it takes a little while longer to feel better. And that's interesting to see a character that kind of mirrors that. And they definitely play that up. I think with, um, well, think about about the dark Yeah. But think about like the dark Knight comic. Um, one of the things that was so, it felt so revolutionary about that was this, this reimagining of Batman Mm -hmm. as a fat middle-aged guy Mm -hmm. who's still super tough and super gritty, but like, he's got to drag his ass out of bed to go like take care of these, <laughs> these people out on the streets. Right. Um, but you know, that, that idea of stakes, I, I, like, I just want to say like, I enjoy the Avengers movies. Like I like those. I, I mean, watching Thor and Hulk fight is fun because, but that's kind of a different sort of story when you're talking about like those big operatic or something like, again, like a comic I love, like planet Hulk and world war Hulk are so, so good. The comics are so good and it really is a lot of great fighting, but it's also got a great story to it. But I'm thinking of things like, I I think about how Ultraman, when Ultraman's light starts blinking, Mm -hmm. right. Or you think about in the movie, the road, this is not a spoiler. I don't think, but you know, it's a, it's a pretty sad movie in a bleak landscape. And this father who's very ill has a gun with two bullets in it. Like that's an amazing Chekhov style setup is that this guy's got a gun with two bullets. So what, how are those two bullets going to get deployed? And you spend this whole story kind of thinking about that. And when you think about somebody who like has this vulnerability, like kryptonite's kind of a, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, I guess the canonical vulnerability. But when you've got something like watching Daredevil mm-hmm. and like knowing where Matt has been injured and like if he hit, gets hit in that spot again, the stitches are going to break. Like that adds so much more depth to the story. And so much more thinking about the motivation of what's going to make somebody put themselves on the line, not because they have to, because they feel like they need to, but then what they sacrifice with that more than just like, oh, there's some woman that's going to be assaulted. Let's, let's just give that one a break for a while. But like the idea, like even of just like the personal, like, you know, I could do fine. I could just go be a lawyer. I'm real smart. And like, I can sense everything. There's all kinds of ways I could go like win the lottery with that probably. But you know, uh, I don't know. Those are the stories that appeal to me. 
It's, it's, I don't know. I, I, and the thing is, I go into any movie really wanting to like it. There are very few movies where I go in going, oh, this is going to be a larf. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want it to be good. And even with the Fantastic Four movie, I kept thinking, oh, they can still save this. Oh, they didn't. They, oh, come on. <laughs> this is not what anybody likes about any of this, you right. know? I know. And it's, it feels the same with so many comics because these are businesses. These are struggling publishing industry businesses that have a way they got to do stuff. So, like, when you go to the store, what you're going to see is like all these racks and racks and racks of relaunched DC again. You're going to go see like, oh, Civil War II. Uh, I mean, you know, enough said. Back to comics. But we got a topic this week. We have a we have a we have a uh, an Uber topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, this is us introducing a you know uh, you get you get a uh, you know we've been in this relationship a long time. It's time we start introducing uh, <laughs> something you know. new. <laughs> well, I had this, I've been thinking about this. I still get emails periodically. Can, can I jump in here? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Thank you. Uh, a a long time uh, productivity. <laughs> er. I've been thinking about this for a while because, you know, I still get um, emails and, and tweets uh, often enough from people saying like, hey, are you still using this app? Are you still using this service? Like you haven't talked a lot about, I don't want to bore you to death with talking about text files, but I still get people who like find something I've done a long time ago and are curious about how it's changed. And I, I, I imagine this is true for both of us. I, I, when I stop and think about it, getting beyond the bits and bytes and getting beyond all the specifics of what app you use, I, I feel like I can honestly say that in the last maybe three years, a surprising number of things have changed about what I will call my productivity setup or system or workflows or whatever dumb term you want to give it. And I just thought, that would be interesting to talk about. I, I also think in a larger sense, it might be fun for us to start doing occasional updates on lots of stuff we haven't talked about in a while, whether that's a project or whether that's... Love that idea. So and I think people might enjoy that is, you know, not to just beat the same philosophical concepts to death, but to talk about our changes in our thinking, changes in how we think about the technology that we use. And I think a lot, I don't know, I, I have, I'm realizing as I pitched that to you this morning that I think I might have a lot to say about that. And I'm guessing you do too. Definitely do. Yeah. So we were going to um, wait and ponder this and think about a bunch of topics that we could update. But I think instead, I would like to just hop in today, if you're into it, with talking about how our little world of productivity has changed and evolved in the last few years and how and why that is. I love that idea. Let's do it. Great. Why don't you tell me first about something that you like? I like Casper. Casper! I do. What I can love I say? It. I spent a third of my life with Casper. They make online mattresses. <laughs> That's what they do. They, they make online like mattresses. They, they have only no, use them online. Yeah, you it's only use mattress. them online. You log in to the to their site. Do you, does it get access to your whole uh, Google account when you sleep on it? Oh god, that Pokemon thing. Catch them all. Oh my god, that we could definitely do a sidebar on that mm, thing. Oh no. no. People are having fun. They're having fun. Well, I, I just, I want to say just in passing that, that like, you know, you know me, like, I don't know how much you know me, but like something my friend Scott Simpson has always said about me. I'm an, I'm an incredibly suspicious and curious person who's always noticing stuff nobody else notices. And I'm kind of a weirdo about it where I'll be like, uh, did that guy in the lobby used to have a mustache? Like I'll, I'll just pull these things out all the time. You know, I was walking home uh, last week, Thursday or so. And I had this weird feeling that something was up. This is not Casper. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I kept noticing all of these people, an unusual number of people walking around looking at their phones at what looked like, it looked like they were photographing the sidewalk. Right. And, I, and I saw one person do it. 
And then I saw two more people. Understand, this is, I did not know anything about this at this point. It hadn't gotten big as it did over the weekend. And I saw, I saw three people. And then later in the day, I saw like five more different people walking in front of the library, walking back and forth, taking photos of the sidewalk. And I had a total John Carpenter moment. And I said mm. to my wife, have you noticed a lot of people photographing the sidewalk? I know that sounds mental. <laughs> Is there any chance? And then I started seeing pairs of Chinese girls in the park walking while laughing and taking photos of the sidewalk. And then I found out about Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found out about it in the gym, I think Saturday morning, when two of the women in there who are sort of 20-somethings, uh, one of them was holding her phone up, kind of pointed at the ground. And it was clear they, I thought at first they were watching something. Yeah. But then right. the other one's like, get it. No, get it. Get it. And I'm like. I thought it was like the way I take pictures of misspellings <laughs> on signs. I thought there was something funny about the sidewalk because right. they were super intense, walking slowly, photographing the sidewalk. <laughs> I know. Uh, Dan, Dan, if I were interested in finding someplace to sleep online, what would you recommend? If you want to sleep online, Beep, boop. what you're interested in is Casper, Casper.com. They make premium mattresses and they sell them at a fraction of the price and they sell them online. There's no middleman. There's nobody to get in between you and your mattress. They're going to run with that. That's up to them to use Mm. that. Because the problem with the mattress industry is that they've always forced customers into paying ridiculous markups. That's in part because they're stored in these big warehouses, right? Like, you need people to work in these big mattress stores and you go and you try out the mattress for five or 10 minutes and you say, yeah, I think this is where I want to spend a third of my life. On when you got to keep an inventory mattress. and then move the stuff that's not moving. Nobody can, they, they or the July sale. Hey, everybody, prime day, go buy whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the, <laughs> I always, I always forget to send out my cards. And then before it feels like prime day arrives earlier every year. Uh, but you know, the thing is when you get into that racket, it's very opaque because it is well-known and well-documented that even the well-known brands deliberately name them different names for different retailers. It's very difficult to compare. There are so many options and you lay on and go, yeah, this is a bed. Why is it $1,500? It doesn't make sense why that industry works the way it was when we have the internet and people say, well, I, and I, there were, there's now two people at my gym that I've told about Casper and uh, both of those people had heard of it and they were very skeptical. They're like, well, I don't know. Ordering a mattress online, what if I don't like it? And then I like realized I was like pitching for Casper. I'm like, well, you know, you get a 100 day, 100 night return period. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, you get to sleep on it for 100 nights and see if you like it or not. And if you don't, they will come and take it away from you. And you don't, that's it. Like money back, done. You get 100 nights to figure out if you like it. And it does take... I mean, like AOL used to give you those discs and go, hey, you get 15 free hours. Imagine an 800-hour trial. That's crazy. Yeah. And the thing is, it will take you, anytime you get a new mattress, most likely the mattress that you've been sleeping on is probably 10 years old. It could be more than 10 years old, but it, it's it's broken down to some degree. And what you've become used to is actually not good for you. Mm-hmm. And switching that mattress out, when you finally get a mattress... That is supportive and Casper mattresses are, are very supportive. That doesn't mean they're firm or hard. It means they support your body and put you in the correct position to sleep in. The, the, it takes more than a couple nights 
And a lot of the time you lay on it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's not like my old one. I, I didn't sleep that good. But then after a few nights, you realize, yeah, this this is this is helping me. I'm actually sleeping better now. I'm feeling better now. I'm feeling better during the day. It takes time to make a change. And Casper understands that. That's why they give you the 100-day period to try it out. It's very important. They're made uh, right here in America. And if you listen to this show, you will get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash back to work spent this time spelled out and use the code back to work one word spelled out terms and conditions apply but that's uh, 50 bucks toward any mattress purchase at casper.com slash back to work thanks very much to them for making the show possible fuck fuck <clears throat> so today <clears throat> need to sleep I just, there was a great, uh, you know what we, we haven't talked about in a while. The film. The, well, we haven't talked about the film. It's time for me to watch it again. It's been several weeks. But the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, there was a wonderful moment in one of the more recent episodes of The Simpsons, which is like the latest or second to latest season is on Hulu. And I, I wanted my kids to get into The Simpsons. And it's it's kind of gotten a little bit good again. It is really good. I don't know what it's happened. Not been, I it's remember great. like I was I stopped actively watching it many years ago. Me not, too. Not, not out of hate or rage or you know fury <laughs> or because they ruined my childhood, <laughs> but just because I ended up going, man, you know, other stuff. You get busy Me with too. life, but now my, my we um it feels tighter. It, it's gotten tighter. It, and it, the, it got kind of flabby. Are, and, it got flabby and mean for a while, and I think it's gotten it's gotten tighter. This jokes are really spot on. And uh, so there's this one scene where uh, uh, Smithers and Burns are in an airplane. It is the airplane from uh, from the aviator. The same music that plays when <laughs> uh, he and Catherine Hepburn are up in the plane. And then it, it is all then you see that plane crashing through the roof of the house by the golf course that, uh, you know, but like it, it was great. Like they still do these little references and put in these great little Easter eggs. Well, I it became it, I really wanted my kids to get into The Simpsons and they I tried showing them a couple episodes like Treehouse of Horror and they're like, eh, it's all right. Well. My son, again, who is obsessed with Futurama still, he found he I don't know how he discovered this. He said, Dad, there's an episode of The Simpsons with Futurama guys in it. I'm oh, like, right. yeah. yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. that's because it's Matt Groening. And, and he said, yes. He said, you got to get me that one. So I found it. And I got it. And he watched it. And like it blew his mind that there was this crossover existed. It blew his mind. He's watched that episode 10 times, and then now he's starting to watch other Simpson episodes. And my little girl who's four, she's like, that's Maggie. She's cute. Is that Aww. Lisa? I like her. You know, like she's, she's getting into it too. So I'm, I'm feeling good about my parenting right now. Good for you. Yeah. I just sent you a uh, Frankie Act gif of the first time I remembered them overtly doing Howard Hughes on the show. Do you remember when Mr. Burns starts wearing Kleenex boxes I, on his I, feet? Very vividly, yes. And what is it? Isn't the spruce goose? What is it called? But he he <laughs> he builds he builds his own wooden airplane and thinks it'll fly. It's really funny. That's a good show. It's a good show. So uh, topic. this is just topic. Yeah, updates on on the system. Here, here's what I wanted to talk about, and I'll just lay this out. And you tell me what you think. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of what <laughs> get my razor, draw a bath, 
and get these Kleenex boxes off my feet. Yeah, certainly, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and Smithers is wearing like a surgical gown, uh-huh. <laughs> gloves, with and a, a mask. mask. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I feel like I the way that I first the, some people first became aware that I was a person who did stuff was in the forty three folders days, and a lot of what I did and loved doing was writing about systems and workflows. And mm-hmm. that's like a whole cottage industry now. Lots of people do that. But I mean, it, it started 43 folders and uh, my interest in that stuff started from this legitimate need that I had where I felt like there was so much I wasn't living up to my potential about. And I, I felt like there were a variety of, uh, I guess what Corey Doctorow uh, has coined, outboard brains. I needed an outboard brain for lots of parts of my life. And so now it's, you know, 12 years later, and I've been through a whole bunch of thoughts, feelings, and spent a lot of time doing things with different productivity systems. And I guess as I sit here today, I just feel like there's been certainly changes in my life, but even without those changes in my life, I feel like the technology has changed so much that there's a lot of stuff I don't need anymore, a lot of stuff I don't want to do anymore, a lot of stuff that's gotten while I was just kind of sleeping on my Casper, a lot of things have gotten a lot easier to do and require a lot less fiddliness mm. is my general thought. I don't know, what's your general, and I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about that, not just philosophically, but in terms of like stuff I used to like either, you know, it's like they used to say with pot, like it might not be physically addictive, but it's sort of mentally addictive. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I needed every system I had, but I definitely tended them like like a like a thousand rabbit hutches. There were so many systems I kept roll kept moving, spinning the plates. And I guess I just feel like there's more and more of that stuff I don't use or need anymore. That that's my general uh, layout. What, what, what's your thinking about this? I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I used to talk to you about how whenever I was I would get a new Mac, I wouldn't clone things over or I would keep a really stock system and it I think in general or my hope it seems is that we're moving like we're moving in that direction where things are getting simpler and we need fewer moving parts and fewer things to just set up our equilibrium and just keep ourselves you know working the way that that we want to work it seems like it has gotten a lot easier and it seems like it's gotten a lot easier recently to me Yes. And I think as with so many things involving technology and culture, it can be very difficult. Well, this is just true in life. It's very difficult to get any perspective, context while something is happening. Mm -hmm. It takes a while of living with something to go, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. I mean, obviously, we don't have to take buckets down to the river to to haul water back to our house. But (laughs) I also find that as so many people are so frustrated about the changes at Evernote, I realize I haven't touched Evernote in years. Yeah, you mentioned that. Well, just because the stuff that, and they talked about this uh, hilariously on on Cortex this week, where CGP Grey just just like had a full-on Syracuse blowout about some, some stuff with Evernote. Um, which is has been that used to be like, and I'm, I'm not here to I'm not here to rag on Evernote. It's just that there have been many people who have kind of gone, oh, that's right, I'm paying for Evernote, and I don't really do stuff with it so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, where I used to rely so heavily on that for capturing stuff, and with the notion that one day I might need to find that stuff, uh, there are wonderful apps like DevonThink, where DevonThink is really, or, oh, or yeah, for that I've matter. I've never used that one. I've heard of that it's one. It's a fascinating, uh, Stephen Johnson has talked about how he uses, the author Stephen Johnson has talked about how he uses Dev, Devin Think. And uh, it's 
actually really fascinating. It's, it's a lifestyle or something like, um, Tinderbox, Mark Bernstein's, uh, wonderful application. It's almost, oh God, how do you describe Tinderbox? Did you ever use Tinderbox? It really rings a bell and I'm trying to it's, remember it's what almost, it was. It's a little bit, it's almost like a cross between like OmniGraphle and HyperCard meets a database hmm. where like you just, you create all these connections between things. And there are apps like Curio. There are all these kinds of apps that, uh, that a lot of people use and love. I, I used to be a big user of mind map applications. But, uh, and just to be clear, this is not a throw everybody under the bus episode. I, I'm not here to say that anything is useless or unneeded or, you know, it's just more that I feel like there's lots of stuff I, let me put it this way, there's lots of stuff I used to have to create, use, and maintain manually that I feel like it's gotten way easier to not even need to use and maintain it. Right. It's gotten easier to do things like go directly from a notion of capture to actually doing the thing in a way that was impossible in, say, 2004. Mm. That's the stuff I wanted to talk about. So those those apps are out there and they're still great for stuff. I think researchers and authors eventually find some system. For me, for some people, it could be FileMaker Pro. I made some FileMaker Pro joke not long ago, and so many people are still using FileMaker Pro databases that they created in the eighties or in the nineties or even the eighties, and uh, because that's what their business runs on. So, I guess uh, I want to talk about some of the specifics, and but also some of the con- conceptual the changes behind that. Um, so yeah, so now I've bracketed that enough. I think. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. It's interesting to me because you know we rely on these companies who make this software to stick around. And if Evernote was said all of a sudden, oh, we're closing up shop, we're going away, there would be a lot of people you would really hear who still is using it, you know. But it went from being, and I'm glad you mentioned Evernote because it went from really being this ubiquitous solution that like this is what everyone had to use to really... It does does something almost no other single system does. It does several things almost no other system does all in one yeah by combining the the notes with images with management yeah um also just stuff like you can throw almost anything at evernote and the story i've told many times in the past was my my single most successful evernote project from beginning to end was looking for an office i've told the story before but i basically walked a one mile one mile of the street near our house and i looked at every i've this is you know just this is crazy project. So I, I walked in every single place I passed that was a potential like for rent business. Uh, regardless, I took a photo of it and I would take a photo from the outside. And then I would take a photo that made sure that I, I captured the, the phone number. So, but there's so much in, in what I just described. At first it was casual. I just need walked around with my iPhone, just taking these photos and putting it into Evernote. One of the first things Evernote did that I remember being so amazing was geolocation. So I didn't even really, I remember that I didn't even really need to write down the address. A lot of them I would just recognize visually, but in that note, I would see like where the thing was. I, I I could look at all of that on a map and see where all these different places were and it, it, honestly, I, I found an office in three days this way. And wow. I called my landlord. He's like, sure. And then like, that's it. And I've been here since 2008. And, but it, I was able to walk that whole length and, and see everything and sort of evaluate, like, how far do I want this to be? I want it to be imminently walkable. I want it to be where, like, <laughs> what I now realize is like, oh, you know, and we'll get to this in a minute. But in the days before I had screens or VPN on my iPad, like it used to be if I got to go restart the server, I got to go to the office. And I want that to be like a less than 10 minute or less than 20 minute round trip. Yeah. But it was incredibly successful. I, it worked so well and I got lucky that this place was available. But all I'm trying to say is like that to have the combination of 
capture, you throw anything at this. You just throw stuff at Evernote and it would all be in there and searchable. It did OCR on everything. So for example, CGP Gray is talking about how he, when he reads books, he does screenshots, throws those at Evernote, then organizes them into a, what's called a notebook in Evernote. And now when he's ready to make a new video about something, he just does a search and it searches through all of those files. And because of OCR, it's also OCRing all those screen grabs. It's, it's catching stuff in the back and understand now I'm talking about at this point that was 2008 and it was automatically like saying, Oh, for rent, find things with for rent in it. And it could do that. Um, and the geolocation, the OCR, the fact that you could throw anything at it. That was, that was my, uh, Zenith with Evernote. The part that first gave me the shakes was when I, when I (laughs) wanted to, for some reason I wanted to play with some other app or I was thinking more about, I guess this is around the time I was really getting into my little text system and I discovered the, um, the parsimony of options for exporting from Evernote. Like it, there's not like a lot of different ways to do it. And apparently turns out part of this new upgrade with their programs is that like, there's only, it's only on like some super premium accounts that you get stuff like OCR and full output. So I don't know if that's precisely true, but it's apparently it's extremely confusing to users. I'll put that episode of Cortex in notes so y'all can hear Mike and Gray talking about that. But, but why am I saying all this? I'm saying that because, in, as CGP Gray says in that episode, he, he went to Evernote because it did a variety of things in this one system that you couldn't get anywhere else. Geolocation, OCR, all of this stuff. Well, like, okay, as far as OCR, like there was a time when having a scan snap and, and scanning all my bills seemed really brilliant. I, I, well, I'm going to pop the stack here and just say, I'd rather pay that online. Yeah. I'd rather pay that automatically online. <laughs> I don't want to ever have to see another paper bill, right? That feels like loss. As I've said so many times, the idea of dr- getting in a car and driving anywhere to spend money is a fail for me. Like that's all stuff. If that's stuff that can be accomplished by other means, I'd rather do that. So that's just one example. That's still, Evernote's still obviously a great app. It's got a huge ecosystem. Lots of people love it. Not not throwing them under the bus, I hope. It's just that so much like geolocation, I get that in everything now. I get I get geolocation in um in drafts on iOS. Did you know right. that? Yeah. Did you I know that know. every time you create a note, it geolocates where you created that note? Pretty cool. That's bananas. Interoperability, APIs, better systems for syncing, Dropbox. Dropbox changed the game for so many things. Oh yeah. Because you no longer like I remember losing my mind in Simple Note one time. When I lost 20 minutes of crucial writing and I, I just wanted to burn the whole place down. I was so frustrated. And then, um, you know, if you wanted all the features of Simple Note, you had to use the Simple Note Sync. Well, now today, Dropbox brilliantly, two things Dropbox did so well. They figured out how to hack into the Mac, Macintosh Finder so that you could, it could basically treat it like part of the system. That was brilliant. But then I think as brilliantly, apart, I guess, from their API, then they came up with a shake and bake um, framework that let you very easily add Dropbox to your app for, with no charge, right? And now, like this giant piece of what used to be, I, I don't know if y'all remember, like the .Mac days, syncing files has not always been a brain-dead simple operation. And so whatever we cobbled together to want ubiquity in capture, perform, uh, capture uh, completion, whatever, you had to find something to do that all on your own or find a service that did that, you don't need that anymore because Dropbox does all that. You know, you get a really robust notes app on every device from Apple right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have, you don't have old school pop. You can now get your email from anywhere with Gmail or IMAP and pretty confidently know that your stuff's going to be in this folder later if that's where you put it. 
That did not used to be a solved problem. So when I started 43 folders, I was all about Microsoft Entourage because it was the first app that let me hook things to other things. And I, when I was doing project management, that was giant. The ability to create an event called a meeting. And to that a meeting, I could attach documents. I could attach links. I could attach contacts. There are whole businesses now that run on Google. So, you know, without getting into the mechanics of who's good and who's bad and all of this stuff, I just think that those are just the tip of the iceberg for what's changed in the last few years, where stuff that I used to have to create and maintain on my own is now done so much better by so many services that I more and more seek the solutions that are incredibly lightweight and ubiquitous and require me to do virtually no lifting, let alone heavy lifting. Right. See, I think where we are going, though, is where Apple has really taken us at the expense of, you know, um, at the expense of putting those smaller companies, I mean, relative to Apple, putting those smaller companies maybe out of business or killing their products. I mean, we've talked, I think on this show and other shows about what happens when there's this really cool app and Apple sees it and says, we're just, we're going to build that feature into the operating system. And it's funny because there were things in Windows that we would, you know, that we liked or that we saw that um, that, that then showed up in Mac OS X and we'd say, oh good, that like I really missed that feature from Windows or this will make it easier. Yeah, I remember the big one was using command tab to switch applications. And if- Yeah, you didn't need light switch anymore. You didn't need light switch. Yeah. And I remember that- Command tab. Although it's still, I still, I still hit Command Q, and I'm mad every time it doesn't work. <laughs> or Command R for relaunch. Oh, I would use that all the time. Really? I still, I still hit Command Q. Also, you, the arrows don't work, or the uh, the the tab and Shift tab doesn't work. That's still all these years later. That still drives me crazy. Shift tab works. Shift tab. Oh, wait, shift, command shift tab shift does. What tab. is it? What is it? What is the one that I was thinking of? I talked about this on with Roderick yesterday. There's so much stuff involving key commands where like I can't describe something it's i've never verbalized something that's a giant part of my life key commands like quicksilver or these yes. things there's so much in my in but my you fingers know what? And you, in my bones you mentioned quicksilver quicksilver and launch bar were mandatory great, apps great for me. example but i now just talk, use about, talk about that because that's giant because i well, i want to hear i want you to describe this because you're right like i don't use any of those i don't even use um uh what's that great launch program uh not butler not quicksilver but Launch, not launch bar, launch bar. Like I like launch bar, but I, I find that with the finder being less a part of my important part of my world and with findability in general, having come so far, Alfred, Alfred's good too. Go ahead. Go ahead and explain that though, because Quicksilver was, I mean, God, that's the, that's my favorite Mac app of all time. That was the app that changed everything. For it me. really did. So for people who don't, don't know about these apps and maybe only know about, What's built into Mac OS X uh, with Spotlight is you it, they these little apps would run and you would usually the keyboard combination was something like Command Spacebar. It would bring up a little overlay. You could type into the overlay and it would very very quickly. I would say almost instantly by typing in a letter or a series of letters, the beginning usually of the application you want to launch, it would find that application. So if you wanted to launch Mail. You would mm-hmm. do command space and type M and it would find usually mail app and you would just hit enter or return rather and it would launch it. So imagine just command space bar M enter and now you've launched mail. 
or switched to mail if you don't want to do the command tab. Uh, and, and it would learn, It would. the neat part was of that is it, it would learn what you typed, not what it's called. So whatever, like the thing is, if you did, if you basically, if you typed something, you'd get this array of all possible matches. You select the one you want. You do that about three times and it eventually learns that regardless of whatever it's called, this is what you type. It watches right. what you do rather than making you learn something. So, you know, initially, yeah, it was, it was about launching applications. But there's, there's kind of three parts to Quicksilver, I feel like. The, and this was certainly one of the hugest topics when I started 43 Folders was Quicksilver. It was, there was so much to say about this app. On the one hand, yeah, it was amazing. Like, you got to remember, there was a time when, when finding stuff on the Mac was not as easy as it is today. Yeah. And you think about what Sherlock was like, how slow Sherlock was, or, or uh, Watson. No, Sherlock. How slow Sherlock was back in the day. Well... Finding stuff did not used to be that simple. And so basically, first of all, Quicksilver would index your drive and you could find all your applications and launch them. It would also find and index all of your files. Right. So that's pretty huge. That, that's, that's kind of the big one. Um, so, you know, finding apps, finding files. What I want to get to, though, is, and that most people never got too far into because it was super nerdy, but the people who were addicted to Quicksilver, you could get all that stuff in a prettier package with different apps. But what Nicholas did was he figured out how to hack into virtually every conceivable part of your Mac that you would ever want to get to, to not just find an app, to not just find a folder, to not just locate a file in that folder, but to then have this cobbled together, incredibly rickety series of actions for doing stuff with that file, where it basically became like stuff you would only ever have been able to do with say bash and a lot of experience you could now do things like append or prepend to a file. You could take th these five files, create a zip and email it all from inside of Quicksilver. It was an it was almost like somewhere between like Bash and Emacs, where like I, I know that's not strictly true, but with a normal user's abilities, a fairly normal user's abilities, you could turn on these advanced features that would let you interact with so many different aspects of your Mac all from this one interface. And, and then you could also, you could, you, again, now remember, you've created a key command for that now. So without even looking, you'd hit command space and then a series of letters and it would learn what you want that to mean without you having to assign it. And it was ridiculously powerful. I loved it. I loved it at the time. The only thing that people got upset about is, well, I'm jumping ahead. Then other apps, it was Launch Bar after Quicksilver, right? And it was... I think so, yeah. Quicksilver was free, and it was it was cool because it was free, but then you, you know, because it was free, and, and the person doing it wasn't, like, keeping to a regular release schedule and launch schedule. If there was a bug, maybe they would get it fixed, maybe it wouldn't get fixed. It got, it got performance problems over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And if you had lots of stuff turned on, it would, it would really... I mean, there's one. The, when I first moved to Launch Bar, it was not out of malice, but it was that Quicksilver had become had stopped being a no look app. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And finally, uh, Launch Bar came out, and I was like, okay, here's like a commercial product that we can buy that should work the same, but will will be but like be, be, bespoke commercial software, like right. very well made, well maintained, and still very powerful. It wasn't quite as wonky as uh, Quicksilver, but it did an astonishing amount of stuff. And you had a lot of control over like what, what catalogs or indexes you wanted to have on. But yeah, yeah. And then the others came along. There was Alfred. Yeah, Alfred was, was the one. Butler? Am I remembering that right? Was Butler the one that does something uh, by keeping the menu bar icons organized into a, uh, like a little drop-down thing? I don't remember, but they all, they all had their benefits. And some were, Alfred was much prettier than the others. Um, nice big, 
letters and stuff like that. And, but Quicksilver, if it, it was, it looked like the dorky app that it was. Yes. Even though Nicholas is a great uh, designer, a fantastic designer, he's been at Google for years now. Um, I mean, he went to. <laughs> I'm telling all the secrets. Telling all the secrets of Alcor. Hello, Nicholas. But what you got used to me on is Alcor went to Carnegie Mellon, where you know there's a huge uh, concentration on both you know, the technology and the, the UX right. of that technology right. and design. And he's a fantastic, you know, artist and designer. But, um, but okay, so, so we're carrying on a little bit here. But the, the thing was Quicksilver was absolutely needed by power users. Something like Quicksilver was, once you started using it, it was hard to go back. I felt like I had boxing gloves on my hands if I used a Mac that didn't have Quicksilver. Mm. But, you know... I guess a lot happened over time. That was a time when I was first getting, really getting into moving into text files for all of my stuff, which is, I've talked about this at length, especially on old uh, episodes of Mac Power Users, but I have a system of a few thousand text files that I use for all my stuff. Like every episode of this show is named exactly the same way. And it's, I can find the show notes for any episode. Right. right. Uh, But like those systems have come so far. I still use um, TextMate for lots of ad hoc typing stuff, but I live in NVALT. And Vialt is like where I do all my typing now. And that all syncs through Dropbox. I don't have to think about it anymore. And it's really, it's really not that difficult to just tab over to NVALT and start typing to find anything I want. But even that I'm not using as much anymore because I'm finding I, I don't need as much stuff as I thought. It's like I'm on the world's longest weekend trip and realizing I really didn't need three suitcases. Right. I, in this day and age, I can get by with a backpack. I love that because it really is like, the, but it's the infrastructure that has been built by Apple or mm-hmm. by these other places that is making it easier for us. You know, I used to I used to have a lot of different, and I, you know, I'm using lots of analogies here because this, it really did feel like plate spinning in some ways. Where like if you were doing anything with you know cobbled together systems with stuff that you'd gotten off of SourceForge. And you had some kind of goofy CMS for this thing and that thing, and it'd be. And again, remember, this is in a time before everybody just had a laptop and iPhones. We're talking about a time when you had a Mac somewhere that you did stuff on. And everything you did when you weren't on that Mac was, was pretty much eventually going to have to get back on that Mac in order to go anywhere or do anything. So whether you're using index cards or whether you're using a Trio. Is it pronounced Trio? I've heard lots of people saying Trio lately. I don't know. I thought it was Trio. If you got a Palm, <laughs> if you got any of that stuff, like, but the thing is, that's all still going to have to go back to the mothership at some point. If you want your photos to be not on your camera, guess where you do that? You do that when you're on your Mac. You want to put new songs on your iPod? Guess what? You're going to be on your Mac with a cable. If you want, I mean, this is, we're not talking about eons ago. We're, we're talking about like in our kids' lifetime, how much this stuff has changed. But so, so that, that meant like having to cobble this stuff together, maintain it, and then do a lot of what you might call manual entry. Or there were some things you could script, but a lot of it you could do, you know, Apple scripts for a lot of stuff. But you still, at the end of the day, had to tend a lot of that stuff yourself. There were, was, you, were you a big Apple scripty kind of person? Insofar as I got, oh gosh, that's such a long time ago. What was the guy's name? The guy who had the Apple, the um, iTunes Apple scripts, like Steve or something. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, the, yes, that was name. cool. He had all those wonderful iTunes Apple scripts. Um, a lot of times when you would get an app from a cool company, it would come with a little folder most people never looked at, which was a bunch of Apple scripts. Right. Today we know about stuff like the services folder and it's really easy to, you know, Automator can make a lot of that stuff for you. But back in the day, that was the spackle for making the world go and for keeping stuff together was <laughs> right. the Apple. And I, so I did not do a lot of that on my own, but I heavily used ones from other people. Once again, Quicksilver. 
you have a folder full of uh, whether that's services or whether that's Apple scripts, you could, there was a folder you could point Quicksilver at where you would be able to execute those Apple scripts from that same interface. But all of this, all of these little pieces, you were responsible for discovering, maintaining, keeping together. That was on you. And that's where somebody like me came in, or I guess increasingly today, somebody like Federico or David Sparks is somebody who goes out and does the legwork on this stuff. It's just that there's, with respect, there's less absolutely necessary legwork to do stuff that we just take for granted now. And I could not be happier about that. So the one thing I wanted to get at was this idea of these islands that we used to have to maintain. The other thing is there's a funny kind of like Kobayashi Maru here where, you know, when people say like, oh, what's your system for this? Well, there's so many things I just don't need a system for anymore. Do, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I he- keep hearing people who talk about like, oh, what's your workflow for this? What's your system for this? Well, and- if, you're, if you're producing podcasts or, or building software, you need those workflows because that's stuff you certainly, you could use the help with. But yeah, there's not that much stuff where I need a system with three to five steps in it. And like, so like, for example, and, and this is, so like in the early days of OmniFocus, the wonderful application by Omni Group, in the discussions that, that, Omni and Ethan Schoonover and I would have about that app. And I had a very, very small role in this. I'm not trying to take any credit, but you know, I had some role in like hopefully making this the app that the fantastic app that it became very small role, but there's a phrase Ethan and I used to use a lot that said that with this app, we want to reduce, we want to reduce the link between cognition and completion. So like cognition is realizing something has to be done and completion is I never have to think about this again. How do you make that path as short and efficient as possible? Right. Right. And I think I have to tell you, I mean, I'm still an OmniFocus fan. I I still use it and love it. I don't need it for the same stuff I always needed it for. And that's part of this. But it used to be that if you were somewhere, if I were somewhere in the early days, I'd write it on an index card. Sure. And then as, as a good GTD doobie, when I got back to my computer, I'd go enter that into OmniFocus. I'd make a project. I've got all of that. So for example, back in the day, something like, and this is going to sound super reductive, but this is a very clear example. Um, buy milk is something that it would occur to me and I would write it down. I'd get to the computer, I'd go into OmniFocus and I'd go into the area uh, called groceries or, you know, home infrastructure or whatever. I have an infrastructure folder for house and office um, and put it in there. And then uh, I would <laughs> print it out, <laughs> the ticket with me or whatever, because there were no iPhones yet. Or I mean, right. like there was no OmniFocus for the iPhone. The, my point is there could be four productivity steps to buy milk that I still hadn't even gotten to the grocery store. You know what I do today? I'll tell you today, and I'm going to be dead honest, I open the Instacart app, and on the top row on the homepage are the things I buy all the time. The very first item is seltzer. The second item is a gallon of 1% organic milk. Mm. Click. Now, so cognition to completion now is I open that app and I add that item. It would be manic for me to need to even open the wonderful iPhone app and remember to do that. Right. This is the ultimate classic GTD in some ways is... This notion of like, don't capture something somewhere if you can just do it. If you can put the briefcase in front of the door, do that, and now you won't need a reminder. So I love that. that no, that's the best way to say it. It's it, it, but that didn't exist. There were no apps like that before. It used right. to be three years ago, four years ago. It was more a question of like, when are we going to finally be able to have a really good grocery shopping app? <laughs> yeah. And now my grocery shopping app is I have someone deliver my groceries. But you see, you take my meaning, right? Totally. I mean, so I many think of those steps are, are unnecessary and duplicative, and I just 
don't, there's so many, I have with the iPhone, what I'm trying to get at is with between the iPhone, the iPads, these devices, the Amazon Echo, all these different things. I now have so many ways to do in one step what used to take three to five steps. And I wouldn't even know how many steps it would take until I started doing it. And there are people, Merlin, out there who who love the steps, who are fascinated by the workflows, who are fascinated by saying, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, one, two, three, and and who really like that. Like the IFTTT folks, um, they get really into you know, doing that, that's something that they like to do. And for me, and this is going to like, it's going to sound harsh, but if I hear that the answer to make this thing work is just a simple IFTTT script or whatever, like that puts me off. I get put off. I'm like, well then, then I'm, then that means it's not ready for me. It doesn't mean it it sucks or you suck. It's still, it's still a hobbyist thing. Right. It just means it's, it's not ready for Dan to use. It's certainly not ready for Dan's wife or Dan's mom or Dan's kids. But I'm not in, like, if if the solution, oh, you can enable that feature. Sure, it's a feature. How? Well, here's the IFTTT script. I'm out. It doesn't be, oh, I'm not like, I'm like opposed to it. It just means like these are extra. It's too hacky, too hacky for you? It's, you know what? And I spent my whole life building hacky stuff like that and doing it in a in in a situation where I was the only one that that uh, that understood it that could do it that could make it work and 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 that was the 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 guy who knew how to hack stuff together like that was me if i if my boss said you know what we've got an office in europe and they're all, they they're it's too expensive over there for them to have any kind of decent internet connection so they've just got a dial up connection and it only you know we it's shared by three people how how do we make that work and how do we still deliver their mail to them without having to buy Lotus Notes mm-hmm. corp- corporate-wide? I'm like, you UCP, I can hack this together. I can make this work. And I mean, we used to have these terrible old systems where in order to like remote in, there was a dial-up modem on a computer that just sat running. In, and I forget the software that used to run. This is like Windows for Workgroups time period. And you could remote in and remote control some old PC that was sitting in a closet. And then mm. that was like how you could access files and you could run Word on that computer or do things to for, you know, running the backup program, like making this work of series of little delicate dominoes, just stacking them all up like Jenga, you know, hoping that they all just work and work just right and are the, do the right thing. And this was like, that was my whole career for 10, 15 years of doing that. And also, I don't even want to talk about software behind the scenes and the hacks that we would do just to monkey patch things and make them work. Like I want a complete solution. Now I want one thing that, that does everything I'm not into. Like I remember when I was a kid and uh, you know, just starting out in like doing system administration and stuff. And like the first time I was given root access to a system, I was like really interested. I was like, Oh man, like I've got, like they trust me now and I, I can I can do anything I want. I don't have to call up someone else to get permission to make a directory somewhere. And I, I, I remember I was talking to a guy who was way more senior than me and uh and uh, and he was like, Oh, you know, can you take care of this on that system for me? I'm like, I'll just give you root access. He's like, I don't want root access on your system. I'm like, why not? He's like because then it becomes my responsibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's why I don't want my daughter to know our passwords. Exactly. I want her to have plausible deniability. Right, and and I just, like, I, 
after doing that for so long, like I just want something. I've told you that story. I'm sure I've told you that story about my uncle and his Peugeot. He, uh, I don't know. My uncle's an electrical engineer, and he uh, he's he's from France. He's French. He's like from Paris, you know, like he lived in Paris. So he's the most sort of Parisian you could possibly get, you know. And, and uh, France is the best, and everything French is really great. I think he's softened on that a bit in his, uh, in, you know, as he's gotten older. But, you know, like the car, of course he had to have a Peugeot. He had to. Like, I didn't even know Peugeot made cars, but he had to have a Peugeot. So I think I was in my early teens. And despite the fact that all, everything French and all French cars were automatically better, this car had unending problems. But because he's an engineer, especially an electrical engineer, like he would go and get it. He'd like, well, Peugeot wanted $500 to fix this. I'll just fix it myself. And so he, I, one thing happened where the fuel pump I think the fuel pump had some kind of problem. It went bad. So he, rather than getting a new fuel pump and a new thing, he had a thing where he wired the fuel pump to a separate battery that was in his trunk and it had like a little like Radio Shack switch. So when he wanted to start (laughs) the car, he would, the little Radio Shack switch had little wires going to it and it was sort of sitting over by like the top of the dash by the door frame. He would flip that switch. The battery that was in his trunk would start powering the fuel pump. The fuel pump would start pumping fuel and he could then start the car. If you didn't know that switch was there you couldn't start the car but like this was his his solution because it saved him money it just worked he knew what he was doing he was an engineer like that whole thing of needing a little extra switch i totally get it like that was my whole life but now i don't want the extra switch i just want something that is the complete solution and if it doesn't do it well i'll find something else or i'll wait and you know eventually it will do it yeah that's a terrific example um and that's, that's kind of why I say it's like Kobayashi Maru. Uh, to quote uh, the great uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, your scientists are, were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they if should. They should yeah. And that's, that's where the Kobayashi Maru part comes in is because there's no, this, write this down, my children, this, hold this to your heart. There's <laughs> right. no greater productivity trick or tip than realizing what you absolutely don't need to be doing. That's if you haven't mastered what you don't need to be doing, it will be very difficult for you to be a productive person because you haven't first established the filter, that very widest, you know, big filter like that says, like, is this even something that I should be working on? Which is not to say it's 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 fun to be a hobbyist. It's fun to get a Raspberry Pi. Like it's fun to build a PC. Like there's all kinds of stuff that you can do if you want to make a Hackintosh. That's that's an interesting project. I'm not sure a Hackintosh is your best choice for a computer that's going to work really well and, and stable in a stable way for the next three years, but that's a different issue. The Kobayashi Maru part is to realize that there, there are so many apps out there that can help you fix a problem. It's not that it's not a problem, but it's that if you reframe the way you're thinking about the problem, you may realize it doesn't need a solution because it's not actually a problem. So for example, right. there's, an app, there's an app that I love a lot that a lot of people love called Hazel. Hazel is just crazy. Hazel is this Mac app that I've loved for years. It could basically watch a folder and do stuff based on conditions. Very, very cool. And now that's something that, that there are situations where I see the necessity for something like that. I do it. I do it resentfully, but I like that Mm -hmm. we have it as a But if you need it, if you need it, boy, there's so much power under the hood. And so you can do stuff like have it, have a watch a folder. I mean, some of this seems very obviated by Dropbox, but you can, you can have like, I have a similar thing that I've got a launcher thing that will, based on the conditions that you provide, it will open, um, documents or files with different apps. So if I'm opening, opening a, 
uh, MKV in this folder, that means launch VLC. If I'm opening an MKV in that folder, open it in this metadata app or, or you know, an editing app or whatever. That kind of stuff is still really powerful, but that's, that's a shortcut. Those are shortcut things. That's, that's a way of saying, here's the thing I need to do and I want to spend less time on it. What I'm trying to say is, and this is, again, this is not to slag Hazel because I think it's a bananas great app that helps so many people. You can do stuff like, like process huge amounts of files, change metadata, you can move things, you can label things. If you have sat down and thought about what you need to do, the tools are out there. But for example, one of the original things I remember people using Hazel for was tracking your bills. So if you got a PDF of your bill and named it this certain way and put it into this folder, it could OCR it and do all of this stuff. You know, is this a straw man? Possibly. But what I'm saying is like, I don't want to do anything with my bills except see that they get paid. That's right. hard enough as it is. It's like, you know, I think that, that that's, and that's the Dr. Malcolm part is, uh, right. or the Kobayashi Maru part is to go like, wait a minute, two giant steps back. Like, am I shaving a yak here? <laughs> because yak shaving can be extremely rewarding. And especially when you're doing some matroshka yaks where you get to say, shave increasingly tinier and tinier yaks inside of the other yak. It just, it takes the presence of mind to pull back and go, could I just do this with some stock tools? Or can I redefine the problem, redefine the problem domain in a way that changes how I think about this. Right. And you're, you know, something else I think we touched on a little bit, uh, or you have before is just the dependency that you have or that you think that you have. And you then kind of realize what it is you can really do without, oh, I need all of these apps just to do my work. I need this. I need that. I need the other thing. And in some cases, like, you know, you're talking about launching an app from a certain folder and having uh, launching, opening a file from a certain folder and having a different app launch. You know, that is super handy. You can do that with a command or a right click. And it's, but it's the kind of thing that like anytime that you can build intelligence into a system so that it saves you time from having to think about it. To, to, to accomplish a known thing. A known thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that, that. That, that's, that's all great. But yeah. So I, I, I've, <laughs> if you go and check out show notes for this episode, you'll see, I've been adding lots of some of these terms that they sound like, you know. This only pops and buzzes. Uh, Kobayashi Maru, yak shaving. Um, did I put this one in? Uh, Yagni. Remember that one? Yeah. You ain't, ain't, ain't going to need, need it. it. <laughs> so like I'm, uh, I'm taint deep in home automation right now. Title. And uh, I've been uh, doing lots of stuff with lights and scenes and settings. And, um, and you know, uh, we talked a bit about it last week. Uh, the family's into it. They're enjoying it. I've, I found a way this time so far, and I know it's very early days, but I found a way to make these nice additions to our life rather than annoying nerd impediments. So I found a setting, a scene for the bedroom that my wife really likes. So when she wants to go read before bed, there's a really nice, she can now hit a switch on her bedstand that will stage the room in this certain very pleasant way with this very warm lighting. And then you hit another button and it turns it all off. Still not as convenient as flipping a bulb. But the truth is, if somebody comes in house sets and they're confused, they can turn the light switch off and on and it will still work. Like, that's okay. That'll still work. It messes with my system a little bit, but that's okay. But the other day, I'm sitting there in the Hue app and my goodness, I wish I had the time and resources to get Jeff Veen and $50,000 to work on the Hue app. <laughs> it's not a fun app to use. Yeah. But you get into the Hue labs. You go to Hue Labs and you can say, okay, find my router now or find my bridge. Now do these kinds of things. And there's, you go, oh my gosh, this is so great. Oh my God, I got all these lights. I got, I got all these, this is so amazing. Now I can go in. I got a setup here that can like do a certain thing for bedtime. That's right up my alley, right? Wouldn't it be great to automatically turn to a warm light that then fades out? Or you could have one that changes the light throughout the day based on what's going on. And I was having trouble getting it to work. I had to keep re 
hitting the router and I've got to sign in on the right device and make it work. And I went, wait, stop. Kobayashi Maru, do I need any of this? And I went, I went, you know, I might need some of this, but I haven't thought enough about what I want to accomplish rather than what I'm capable of accomplishing. I am shaving a yak. And I stopped and I closed that part of the app and I went back to doing what it is that I do at home. And that was, that's the kind of moment I'm talking about. So like these days, as I, again, I think I mentioned, I, I have spent more and more time in a physical notebook. These days I'm back to using a notebook and a pencil. And one of the things I do when I'm about to jump into something even vaguely technical, like deciding how to stage hue lights throughout the house, mm-hmm. is I start out with a notebook and I start with real pigs and bunnies type explanations to myself about what I want to do. So I'll say like something like, well, I want a way to be able to control the lights when we're away. I want to be able, that's easy enough. Now I want a way to automate the lights when we're away. Well, which lights do I want to automate how? And I'll tell you the best thing I can do is sit and write a, write a mini spec in bullets right. inside of that notebook. I get so much more accomplished than going straight into the app and playing with a bunch of stuff and seeing if it works. I have to really define the problem before I spend time on it to be productive at it. Right. That's a silly example, and it's a you know, kind of dumb Merlin man example. Like, go, go, go use a notebook. Sit down like a gentleman and like, figure it out. But that actually helps me so much. And that's, I think that's, that's the world I'm in right now. Um, i got a lot more to say about this. I want to talk about notes. I want to talk about Siri. I want to talk about some of the new technology that's changing this. Would you like to tell me about one other thing that you like? I would. I would like to tell you about our friends over at Wealthfront. Automated investment service with nearly $3 billion in client assets. They manage diversified, continually rebalanced portfolio of index funds. What this means is that for the people who, uh, who use their services, they're always shifting things around so that you make money. That's basically what they're doing. So that they preserve wealth and increase wealth. And the tough thing about getting started is a lot of the time you look at these investment brokers, they want a, a, a million dollars, they're going to literally a million dollars, and they're going to charge you at least 1% per year in management fees. And that kind of sucks. It means it's not really available to most human beings or who are who are on the earth right now. And Wealthfront has a completely different philosophy. You can start with just a few hundred dollars and start investing something, like start somewhere. What's great about Wealthfront is they charge no trading commissions. They're completely free for accounts under $10,000. And for accounts larger than $10,000, their management fee is only 0.25% per year. That's, that's like the lowest you're going to find. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty great. It's the best modern technology with their rigorous investment research. They cut out the middleman and they give everyone sound investment management. But for listeners of our show, if you go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 they will manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. That means in addition to never paying commissions, no hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees at all forever on your first fifteen k invested. So go check it out, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Bok, bok. So this is a good conversation, uh, I think. I feel like there needs to be a part two. Oh yeah, there'll be a lot more. So, so far we, we, we've talked about the big picture. We've talked about... You know, the, the Kobayashi Maru level of like, what stuff do you actually not need to do that could make you more productive? I mean, that's, that's a chest, old chestnut that's always worth revisiting. And I think, I think we've talked, we started to talk, and I think we should talk more about this next episode. We talked, you know, about some of these things that used to be sort of a pain in the butt that, that uh, have lost a lot of their, their luster and meaning for us. 
I also just wanted to touch on some specifics about things where I've really noticed. Now, when I take a, when I take those two giant steps back, where I notice the difference. Um, can we talk about that? Yeah, that's something. This awesome. is pretty quick. This is pretty quick. Yeah, but you know, it. I mean, here's an example: is I'm right now about seven feet away from an Amazon Echo, and you know, this one reason Amazon wants you to have that. Most people don't use this for, but it'd be fun if you have one to experiment more with this is for buying things. Yes. So if you, we always buy seventh generation unscented one or a dish detergent, washing up soap, as they say. Um, and I, I won't do it now, but I can talk to my echo and say, you know, reorder that and it'll walk me through that. Now, is that the greatest thing in the world? No, no. I'm just another another idiot who's in the Amazon ecosystem. Boo, Merlin. But like, I think that the, just that simple thing of being able to talk across the room to this device, that is very powerful to me. Now, I don't, not only, I mean, let's really just pause for a moment here and let's really, let's really inhabit 2016 for a minute and think about what's involved in that. I have a little lady in a cylinder over here who listens to me and I ask her to do stuff and she does it. <laughs> Not only do I like not have to go to the grocery store, I don't have to write it down to remember to go to the grocery store. I don't have to remember to remember to bring the list with me. I just do that and it shows up at a pretty good price too. Yeah. And to me, like from that, you know, 10,000 flowers bloom, I cannot even begin to tell you how much I use Siri in particular for dictation and especially reminders. Like I'm glad there are still apps like do out there. Do is a fantastic app and it's, it's the right answer for a lot of people, but, most of what I, I don't want to even, I don't have repeating things I want to remember in reminders. Um, or, you know, I don't have them in other places. There are, you know, I have some things I have to remember to take out the trash and stuff like that. But a lot of it is just like I'm making my daughter Capolini and I really don't want the angel hair should not be in the salty water for more than two or maybe three minutes. I never want to remember that, have to remember that on my own again. And having reminders it seems manic that anybody would ever try to remember how long three minutes is or two minutes ever again. One of the hardest things in the world is to like, go, go test yourself. Go, go see if you can like, go say to yourself, I'm going to go here and uh, I am going to, I'm going to walk on the sidewalk for exactly two minutes and see how well you did. Why would you ever want to think about that again? And I love that that's just integrated. There's so many things now. It's almost like the way in the eighties, everything came with a calculator. <laughs> Or eventually everything had a clock on it. Right. Like to me, that's reminders at this point. Why would you ever want to do that again? Why would you want to write that down somewhere and then go somewhere else and make sure you put it into the reminder program? Um, and I guess that's just the tip of the iceberg because there's more and more things where that reminder becomes super functional where you can like, like for example, like I do this all the time on my iPhone. So if I'm in Safari, I'll say, um, remind me about this page in two hours when I arrive at the house. Mm. And so when I arrive at the house where two hours has passed, that will pop up with a Safari icon. I can click on that and it goes in there. I don't need another app for that. I don't need a system for that. That's, that's all in there. And it's, and so I guess the part where it's kind of skip, I'm kind of skipping over here is I really want to draw out how different it is today versus 2004 in particular. Right. Not just the voice stuff, but like, I feel like two big things for me were Dropbox and another huge one that I think is, it may seem like not that big a deal. I think in the Apple world, a lot changed when you no longer had to use a cable to do stuff with your phone or iPod. Mm -hmm. You know a what big I mean? Deal. Yeah. From when you went to, I need to back this up, sync this up, get through whatever, plugging it in 
versus even, just even before it, I, even before iTunes maps, right. just when you wanted to be able to get the latest version of apps and music and playlists and stuff like that. Just even something like that. The, when they went to wireless sync for iTunes, even before we get to the cloud, right. let's, just, let's just talk about when you could do it with your Mac. That became huge. Wi-Fi over from your phone to your Mac. I think that is maybe the moment in my life I remember is when this stuff really started to change. You know, that really is a turning point when we kind of got the idea that Apple is taking us into a place where wires are not necessary. It felt like the future at first, a little while. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, really? Like, we're going to be able to do this now. Like, this is this is great. And now we just assume, of course, like, if, like I have I have an iPod that I had actually gotten from my wife uh, like two Christmases ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think she ever used it ever, like not once. And uh, and I, you know, it's like the idea of plugging it in is just having to do that. Like, if you want to, oh, a new episode of the podcast I like came out. Oh, right, I need to use software on a computer, uh-huh. and I need to plug this in, and I need to load it up, and now I need to go and listen. And when it's done, I can't listen to previous episodes unless I made sure they were on there. And I can't, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. and but. It has a touchscreen on it and you have to like swipe around and tap icons and other things. And it it's funny because I, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but it the new iPod seems like a huge step backwards for me in you mean an iPod touch an iPod. It's it's yeah, it, it is. Uh, it, no, not the iPod touch. I love the iPod touch. Oh, OK, I'm talking about a straight up iPod. Okay. Oh, okay. It has a graphical user interface now. Oh, not I see what you're saying. You're talking about wheel. the one where you, where you have. Yes, you're right. That's and yes. it, and using it, it just it just sucks. I hate it. I, I everything about it is terrible, and I miss the that classic just straight up text and little spinning wheel because it was so fast. It was so nice. It didn't do tons of extra stuff. And yeah, you still have to plug it in, but it just the idea of like having this thing. It's like oh, a thousand songs in your pocket. That's kind of neat, but. Like you need to as if if you're like me and you listen more to podcasts than you do to music, this thing doesn't really make sense anymore. It's 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 not like a, a, a really that useful of a thing. And well, yeah, it's like one of those uh, Alton Brown single purpose. Uh, yeah, right. Like unitaskers. What unitaskers. Like yeah. beware of the unitaskers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny how quickly. And this is why I think the two giant steps back is is instructive in this discussion is like it does help to do a little contrast at looking at even just a few years ago to now where, for example, our, our daughter, we gave her a uh, an iPod touch a few months ago. It's been attached to a computer exactly once, which is when I did the initial restore right. on it. It is not it has not touched the Internet since. And the thing is, she she uses it most days, but not every day. The battery life when it's not doing anything is astonishing. It's sort of like an old iPad where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this thing is still charged. I haven't used this in like in weeks. Uh, and, and we don't have to think about that. Think about, think about how bananas that is, that your kid could have the, basically an iPhone that everything about is an iPhone except it doesn't have a phone. Right. It's not that expensive. It was not very costly. You don't have to plug it in um, to, to Apple's credit. And we're, we're not talking about the, the bad stuff. We're not talking about the, the overdue improvements to Apple Watch. We're not talking about the problems with uh, Apple Music, but I've got family sharing. I bought family sharing for iTunes. So my daughter can download like all of her My Little Pony Equestria Girls albums to her 
iPod and walk around the house and listen to it on headphones. I mean, go try that to describe, describe what I just said to yourself in 2000. Like, in the time of the first or 2001, the first iPod, go explain that. First of all, what is My Little Pony? That's back. That's weird. But like, there's all that stuff where like all of that has come along and it works mostly pretty well. Yeah. I'm still having ridiculous <laughs> matching problems in Apple Music. Oh my God. It's the matching is such a mess. But, but all of those things, what am I trying to go with this? Well, I think we still have plenty to talk about, but I'm just thinking about all the stuff like Siri Capture. I'm thinking of things like the apps for so many things have improved. It's just, there's so much more stuff you can and should do on an iOS device at this point where you don't ever need to bring it back to your, to the Mac. Right. You know, and I think about like last night I opened, you know, I don't, you like, you like, do you like screens? Is that your preferred app? I love screens. So, you know, I had to do, I had to, uh, you know, here's what I did. Um, so this is now, how's this for some really basic dumb workflow? I don't, I know there are Apple scripts and I think Brett Terpstra has something for this, but whenever I do a Skype call, I have this little rain dance right? I quit Dropbox. I pause Backblaze. I quit Google Photos and I turn off all my back of a truck apps. I do all that stuff. I check the network connection. I do all that stuff. And then when I'm done, this is really old school. This is like system nine kind of stuff. I open up a folder full of aliases called post Skype mm-hmm. and I manually relaunch all of those apps that I want to have on. Right. So that's kind of funny. I still do that. I mean, I'm sure there's, I know there's ways to automate it, email Dan, but like, <laughs> but for me, like, and the thing is I almost always remember to do that. Cause that's part of my honest to God, real life workflow is like when I'm done with Roderick on the line, there's stuff I got to do. I open it in Ecamm movies. I split the files. I record the spot for the, for Roderick on the lines, you know, sponsor. I do all that. And that's all just, and I get the whole episode up within like, you know, usually 30, 40 minutes. We record at 10 and I usually have it up by 12 or 1. And then one of the things I almost always remember to do is to turn on all of my stuff like Dropbox and things like that. Well, last night I forgot. And uh, I wasn't getting Dropbox syncing. So what did I do? I opened up my iPad. And now, oh, and that new version of screens, talk about updates. In screens now, you can use one password for your password. You can also have it remembered inside of the app so that you click on that little arrow in the lower right-hand corner when your screen comes up. So basically, I hit screens. I say, go to my work, my office computer. Office computer login screen comes up on my iPad. What? I click that button. It logs me in. And I go and I double-click on those apps and they reopen. That, that's kind of magic. That, that actually really works yeah. on an iPad. Yeah. And it actually really works. So those are all places where we didn't used to be. So, you know, what's the message of this? Well, you know... It's never a terrible time to reconsider. I, I think it can be a bad time to figure out new stuff you want to be fiddly about. Things about you want about which you want to be fiddly. That can be fun. That can be a hobby. Um, I think it's almost never a bad time to go like, are there any parts that I can remove from this machine? Right? Is there anything that I can take out? Is there anything I don't need to do anymore? And like, is there anything where this workflow, what I previously considered a workflow, doesn't even need to be a workflow anymore? Is there anything where the path is like one-to-one, where remembering to write it down is part of doing it, and now it's almost done? And I think we're getting better at that. The world, Apple and these other companies have gotten better at giving us elements of that world. It's all still very young, but I think we are so much further along than we were 12 years ago. Hmm. Where will we be in another 12 years? I don't know. I hope I'm here. Me we'll too. see how it goes. Me too. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Can't wait for the next prime day. Oh my God. I got to get my lights up. 
I just hope I hope we all make it to the next Prime Day. Mm-hmm. You, me, and all the listeners. Well, you know what it is? I just, I love, I love everything about it. I love the decorations. I love the cards. I love the songs. Remember that? When you'd be a little kid and Prime Day was coming, you'd be so excited. <laughs> My you, wife said to me this up, morning. You'd hang up your Amazon Echo by the, uh, by the fireside. <laughs> Prime Day, Prime Day, today we celebrate Prime Day. She got a, My wife got some kind of pressure cooker she's super excited about that she got. Be careful with those. No, I know. Mm. She's like, oh, she's like a crock pot. She's like, prime day. Now I'm getting this pressure cooker that I want. Oh, you can cook the bejesus out of a corned beef in that thing. (laughs) You can make you a pressure corned beef. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Um, So uh, we will return to some of our update ideas. There are many other things to update. You have to bring us up to speed on your uh, on your new dingus thing at some point. There's lots of other stuff to talk about. but uh, I think we should, uh, if you're interested next week, maybe talk more about uh, some of these uh, productivity update stuff. I would love that. All right, cool. Let's uh, button this up. Let's do it. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Marlon, man.